Now, was it simultaneous? That's the. It sounded pretty simultaneous. I'm telling you. <laughs> In unison. It's yeah. like uh, the synchronized swimming. Yeah. Do you ever watch that on the Olympics? Probably I don't not. watch it, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I think water polo might be the most physical, physically strenuous sport. For sure. And, you know, it's not like soccer where you can just get injured and lay down and roll around. Like, you're going to drown if you do that. You will drown. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of drowning, yeah. welcome to After the Sermon yeah. Ends. My name's Jared. Marcus is with us as well. We're excited to be with you. And speaking of drowning, this week we were in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 10, and we talked about the spiritual condition of being dead and Jesus, by grace alone, through faith, making us alive. And um, I loved some of your examples about the Coast Guard and the drowning. And the. Um, we, we're going to talk about a lot of that. And that's what triggered me to get onto our topic today. But I, love, I would love it if you would just give us kind of a recap of, of what you shared in the message on Sunday. Yeah, in Ephesians, uh, one, or Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, uh, it's a pretty lengthy passage, and there's a ton of um, there's a ton of great things in there. But mm-hmm. really, we see we see who we are by nature. All people outside of Christ, spiritually dead, uh, following the way of the world, following Satan, uh, following our own sinful desires, but spiritually dead, inoperative to the things of God. Um, and then, by God's grace through faith, He he um, makes us alive with Christ and in Christ and seats us with Him. Um, and then from there, it, He explains that we're saved by God's grace through faith and um, finally concludes with we are His workmanship, that we are, yep. we are created and raised uh, for good works yep. that He purposed in eternity past. So, you know, it, it speaks to a lot of things, but ultimately God's sovereignty yeah. over over all things, which has been a major theme For in sure. just the first chapter. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love. Uh, first of all, I love that you covered ten verses because when I when I asked you to preach, I was like, start with verse one and go as far as you want, and you said I'll go one through ten, which is a natural breakdown of the text, um, but at the same time, it's a lot. And you did so well to survey it. You know, you put on your professor hat for a second and surveyed the text while also diving deep into some of the key themes. I want to talk a little more <clears throat> about the dead, the, the spiritual deadness um, and just how, um, you know, how sometimes we can take, we can um, look at our spiritual condition as maybe better than it actually is. We don't like to use words like dead because if you're dead, that means that you're, you can't become alive on your own. You can't ask for help. You can't reach out and, and hope that something will, will save you. If you're dead, you're dead. And sometimes we can, I think, um, cheapen the grace of God when we look at our spiritual condition as anything better than dead you know, or make excuses for what we're doing and the sins that we're committing as if it's doing anything less than eternally separating us from God as dead people spiritually. 
Um, this is the this is the outcome of our sin and our sin nature. So t- talk to me about and and I don't know if you wanted to share some of your examples, illustrations, pictures from from Sunday, but help us understand just how bad this condition, this spiritual condition is. Um, well, I think it's it, it's so <laughs> it's extremely bad, right? It's it, you don't even spell the word dead right. You just say D E D dead, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, but you, to that point, we are not at all capable of any sort of movement towards God. We are dead, um, just like a, a dead person would be. Um, that we know them to be physically, like John eleven. Um, Lazarus has been dead for four days, right? His, his body is stinking. It's decaying. The tomb is sealed where he is. They ask, um, Jesus comes and asks the people to roll away the stone and says, Lazarus, come out. This guy who was dead for four days, like he's gone. Yep. Comes out of the grave. Yeah. Right. Because Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. Yep. And, and it's not, Lazarus couldn't couldn't send Jesus a postcard, a text or a tweet or anything else. He couldn't, um, he couldn't pray. He couldn't right. do any of these things because he's dead. Right. Um, and, and that's a, that represents, or that's, that shows us just how dead we are, just like Lazarus, unable, unresponsive to God or the things of God. Um, and then the second one that I shared was the, the drowning man. Yep. And as a, as a zealous evangelist, um, yep. I've used this. I actually have the the tracks, the gospel tracks in my um, book bag. And, you know, if if I ever end a conversation, a gospel conversation with somebody, and I don't get to, you know, we don't get to uh, see them come to know Jesus as Lord, that in that exchange, I'll, I'll give them a tract. And one are these these two brothers that go out into sea and you know their boat they fall overboard and stuff like that and they're in the middle of the ocean treading water a ship comes and the ship is like uh hey do you guys need help one brother's like yeah i need some help so he throws them um you know what are those circle things no like a flotation device throws them a flotation device inner tube or something yeah something like that and pulls the one brother in the second brother's like, no, I can save myself. You know, just give me time. I'll save myself. And the the first brother who gets pulled onto the ship, who asked for help, is like, no, unless you ask for help, um, you're not going to be rescued. Like, we're the only ones out here with this ship. Like, you're not going to be, you can't do it yourself. Um, and, I, and I like that track because it's, you know, in like a comic book format. It's easy to give to like young adults and kids and stuff like that. But the reality is, and what I like to share with them, and I try not to hand them this one without being able to share this, is where we don't even have that much. Yeah. Like, we don't even have that much life. Like, we're not treading water. We're dead. Right. Fish food. We're at the bottom of the ocean, yeah. unable to do anything because we're dead, lifeless. And um, the, it's a... It, it was a great segue into the um, the Coast Guard analogy or illustration where, you know, like a Coast Guard rescue swimmer who goes out into the middle of the ocean, you know, and and, uh, and who, who carries out these really difficult and complex um, medical evacuations. Um, yeah. it, there was a, a story that I found in this Coast Guard rescue swimmer. It's called at the end of hurricane season to the middle of the ocean. This, this crew had been... Um, you know, their boat capsized and they're on their, on their lifeboat, you know, they're smaller, like dinghy or whatever we were calling it. (laughs) And, um, and so after 
like three trips back to base, which was like a 45 minute turnaround. Um, after three trips, there were about like two or three left. He gets, uh, two of them up there and there's one who, you know, after, after, you know, getting knocked out by the waves and treading water, getting back in the dinghy or the lifeboat, uh, is just so exhausted that he drowns and he's, you know, he's dead and he's going down deeper and deeper into the ocean. Um, and after getting all the living onto the aircraft, the Coast Guard rescue swimmer goes in for this this guy who's drowned. Now, the rest of the people who had been rescued and the crew, they're like, this guy's dead. But the Coast Guard rescue swimmer is like, if I can get him, there's a chance. Like, if I can go down there and get him, there's a chance. So he gets him on the basket, gets him hoisted up, and then, you know, he himself gets hoisted up. And then he performs CPR, breathes life into this guy, and then he comes back to life, right? 12 out of 12 uh, saved in this scenario. And that's exactly how dead we are. The, the guy floating towards the bottom of the ocean couldn't stick a hand out, couldn't, you know, shine like a flashlight or anything and say, here I am, like, come find me. This Coast Guard rescue swimmer, you know, by the grace of God finds this guy who's dead, couldn't do anything to save himself. So, um, you know, that's exactly what God does in, in, in us and, um, all those who are born again is he, he sees us and he gives us new life and enables us to respond yeah. um, in repentance and faith. And yeah. then, um, you know, anything past that, like saying a prayer, um, baptism, the Lord's Supper, uh, evangelizing, making disciples, anything, anything after that that's consistent with the Word of God that we would probably call works are only because he gave us new life. We wouldn't have done those otherwise. Yeah. We are his workmanship right. created in Christ Jesus That's for good works that we should walk in them, which is how Paul ended mm-hmm. that section and how we ended on Sunday. That's so good. I think about um, I think about actually Deb Esposito last week. She shared at a Celebrate Recovery at yeah. Chestnut Mountain, and she talked about her story and how... Um, God gave her a new heart. Yeah. And this 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 spiritual act of taking our heart of stone and replacing it with a heart of flesh that is that's not a rehabilitated heart. It's a new heart. Right. This isn't a go through the steps make it make it so far to where you can get back on your feet and ask the right questions to get the right help. All of those things are important. Don't hear me diminish if you're going through some process or program that is helping you get back on your feet and get healthy. I'm not trying to diminish that. We're not talking about behavior modification. We're talking about a spiritual awakening that can only happen when the creator of all things puts a new heart inside of us. And when that starts to beat, when he breathes life into us the way he did Lazarus, the way he did Jesus, the way, you know, when we get this spiritual life with this new heart, not a rehabbed heart, a new one, then we can walk in response to that grace and in good works, we can walk as his workmanship. If, if, if our spiritual journey started in any other way. If, if my spiritual journey would have started with my one, two, three, four, there I am, I'm ready now, 
I could lose it just as fast. It's not secure. It's, it's feeble. It's weak. It's temporal. But because I have a new heart, these works that I'm walking in, even when I stumble, even when I fall, I'm being held by some, somebody that is so much greater, mm-hmm. that's the creator and sustainer of all things. And it's, it's, so, it's so good because we now, we now can respond. In, we now can respond in faith. We now can respond in obedience because he's given us this new heart. He's brought us back to life. Talk to us about good works. We, you know, this text, it transitions very clearly to us walking in good works. Salvation, not by works so that right. no one may boast, but, and really now we have been made alive by grace through faith. So now we are walking in good works in response to that. So talk, talk to us about that and, and the way we should be living. Yeah, uh, good works, according to this verse, seem like a necessary consequence of being born again, right? Of, of God giving us a, a new heart um, because we are His workmanship purposed for good works, right? So the necessary consequence of this process where you're spiritually dead, but God initiates and makes you spiritually alive, yeah. purposed for good works, you know, if there are no good works, or let me even clarify this, like obedience and, and faith and uh, good works are burdensome. You know, you're doing them out of just like legalism and like, I have to go to church. I have to give. I have to share the gospel. I have to pray. I have to read my Bible. That, you know, like we're not, we're missing Paul's point here. Like we do these things because God did this. Like now our heart is now responsive to God and to the things of God. So it changes the the dynamic to, or from I have to in order to, right? So I, I have to do these things in order to be saved or to be in a right standing with God. It changes that from I have to to I get to. So good. Now you know. Think about the the guy who, who uh, the co- or Coast Guard rescue swimmer uh, brings back to life. Right. Um, now anything else that he does with his life is a gift. Yeah. Right. Not that life in the first place isn't a gift, but now you know he was dead. Now he's alive. Everything is a gift. So our response to that uh, to God giving us new spiritual life. Uh, where we're alive to God and the things of God are a response, a, a necessary consequence of um, of what He's done in our hearts yeah. and, and in our lives. Um, another interesting thing is is how the the title of or the definition of works has changed, right? Um, like in the in the first century church. You know, the Jewish readers would have maybe considered the the Ten Commandments or the Mosaic Law. Uh, in Acts 15, we see the first church council, you know, the in Jerusalem. And they're saying that Gentiles have to be circumcised and obey some sort of dietary laws in order to be, uh, yeah. be saved. And the apostles are like, no, 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 no. You know, like they don't need to necessarily be circumcised and they don't need to abstain from the foods that we abstain from. Um, but they do need to, you know, they shouldn't eat uh, foods that are uh, sacrificed idols and, you know, stuff like that. Sorry, I probably could have gave a little bit of better, you know, stuff there. Anyways, um, <laughs> the conclusions from the Jerusalem Council. Anyways, um, and then, you know, you go to like Catholicism and you see this like 
this weird mix of what works are. Now there's like a ton of sacraments to be observed. And, right. you know, it's all, it's faith and works equal salvation. And it really starts to distort what uh, the message that Paul is, is writing um, to his readers. Uh, it really starts to distort it. And we see the Reformation and we see everything else. But, but even today, you know, I think of uh, this altar call evangelism, come down and be saved. Uh, say this prayer and you'll be saved, which both of those are works. Be baptized and be saved. All of those are works that can only happen after God um, gives us new life. Yeah. It it can't be before. Right, right. You described yourself as a zealous evangelist. Yeah. I would would affirm that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Talk about how you keep your zeal in evangelism while knowing that you can't lay out a plan or a process that's going to work. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? It does. Okay. To our listeners? Cause it, that, yeah. <laughs> it, <okay. laughs> um, so it's, it's really by, by trial and error that I've learned that a, a process doesn't work. I've, I've, I have said in in previous evangelistic conversations, well, all you need to do is say this prayer and be saved. And then, right, and, and here's what happens is they say a prayer, and then I watch, you know, I've learned and I've and I've seen them not like them them be the same, yeah. the same person. Yeah. Right. Um, and I and I mean like not even actually maybe even sometimes get worse. Um, and so for me, it's like, well, what's going on here? You know, they said this prayer, like, why don't they, why don't, right. they must have been born again or else they wouldn't have said this prayer. Right. You know, like they're responding to the things of God. So, so man, like what's going on? And really it wasn't, I don't think that it wasn't God working necessarily as much as it was me putting emphasis on do these things and you'll be saved. Um, even though I'm like, it's by grace alone through faith alone, you know, um, I'm still like, Hey, process step A, step B, step C, you know, one, two, three. Um, so I'm, so I've learned by trial and error that one, it's not a process, but then the way that I stay zealous is, is I like, I really, in the grand scheme, I can't really say it's anything that I'm doing. God just like really beats me up on, on, on people's souls, you know, like just caring for them. And really I had a conversation uh, with one of our, our members here at city church, uh, a young lady from uh, Missouri who just moved into a new house. And she was telling me about one of her friends and, um, and just hearing how burdened she was for her friend really just sparked a like, man, like, where are you at? You know, because, yeah, like zealous evangelists, like I love like there's nothing more. Well, OK, <laughs> so in my life, playing baseball, then being like b- right before you initiate a raid. Right. Like, wow. it's like the, that still like silence you know, like nothing else in the world matters, but before you kick off a raid and then you kick it off and it's like, you know, it's on. In the army, by the way, in just, the army, just to right, clarify, he, right, he yeah. wasn't raiding just anything. He right. wasn't raiding banks. Yeah, or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you were dead, right? But you, you, right, right. <laughs> um, 
But then the the third thing now is is that moment where you see God turn that light bulb on, where you yeah. see a person come from death to life, and it's not something that I can control, but I live for that moment. Yeah, like I just I love it so much because it's it's just like baseball for me in the past. It's just like that moment before you kick off a raid. Like nothing else in the world matters it, to me. It's like time and space stop. Um, so I'm always trying to find those moments because it's just so like it's just such a it's such a cool moment where almost like heaven and earth collide, that yes. convergent space sort of deal. Yes. Um, so anyways, that the young lady that I'm thinking of, it, it just reminded me and really humbled me that, that it's probably been, you know, it's been a little while to where I've really felt that burden, um, in a, in a just all compelling sense. Yeah. Um, wow. so to, to, be maybe a little more specific because because the lord has told me to go and make disciples yeah. why am i a zealous evangelist because the lord commissioned me to do that um Amen. one of the things that we talked about on sunday was uh, the two categories or types of sins sins of omission or sins of commission or commission and sin sins of omission are you know you not doing what god has told you to do omitting it and then sins of commission where you're doing what God has said not to do. Um, so I can't, I can't omit that. Yeah. You know, I can't just overlook that. The Lord has commanded me to. That's why I'm zealous about it. Yeah. And when, uh, what's, my, my answer to that question would, would be very similar. And a step deeper for me would be, why, how do I remain zealous? Well, the deeper you go with God, intimately personally in your in your own studies in your own prayer in your own quiet times the deeper you go with him the more he leads you mm -hmm. to care about the eternity of other souls yeah. and it's easy for me to kind of live a little bit above the fray if i get lost in all of the you know what's next of life or what do i have to take care of or what 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 do i have to prepare for now even if it's the best thing yeah. preparing for a message a sermon could be the most distracting thing some weeks from caring for people's eternity yeah. and you know looking for people that need this truth um which is really interesting how how that works but the deeper we go intimately and personally the more the more the Lord draws us um, to look for the people that are on those fringes. And, and you talked about the excitement and even like the adrenaline rush, you know, that comes with these things of life and how nothing compares to those moments when you see death to life, yeah. when you see people take that, take that step in faith and you see that they have been awakened yeah. from the deepest part of them. Like that's, that is something that you cannot make up, that you right. cannot plan, that you right. cannot pr progress toward. Like this is, that's why it's such a, a moment to remember every time because you know that it's only from God. On Sunday at Chestnut Mountain in the morning, we had one of these moments at nine o'clock. Yeah. You know, you were in the room yeah. too. <laughs> and this is a man who is in his 40s, he has kids. His wife was a Christian. He was not. He was very clear about not being a Christian. And he told our pastor, I'm not ready. You know, he told him that two years ago when they met. I'm not ready. And so we had been praying for this man for 
two years. Yeah. The staff, other members, people in the church have been praying for for his salvation very clearly. And and um, that's what I love about Pastor Brian, too, at Chestnut Mountain is the way that he responded to him in that moment when he told him that he's not a Christian and he's not ready. He's like, well, I know how to pray for you then, you know. And so for two years, we've been praying for this man. And on Sunday, Brian gets back up and does an extra call to respond to the gospel. And we're still singing a song. And it's and and this man comes down the down the aisle with his wife and I was up on the stage so I could see, you know, I had the, probably the best perspective and I could see the emotion on his face and on her face. And this is that moment that you're talking about. This is the culmination of I was dead, but by God's grace, through faith, I am now alive. And you see that, you see that coming off and radiating off of this man. And then you see the emotion of a praying wife that has not stopped and the zeal that's coming. And those are the moments that take your breath away, honestly, and remind you of how powerful, just how the spiritual reality of, of having a new heart placed inside of us that none of us could draw up in the sand. Only God can do this. Only God can take a heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. And when you see it coming off of people, when you the, the the most beautiful thing is when you see this spiritual reality that's deep inside that we can't see radiating off of people in a way that's unmistakably God. Right. And you know what I what I love about that specifically um, is it's it's so closely connected, just like the rest of Scripture, with the verbal proclamation of the gospel. It's not, oh, you know, I was walking in the woods and I found God and came to faith in God. Like, no, he, yes, he's omnipresent, but like, he, he initiates this regenerative act in connection with the gospel everywhere in Scripture. And it's only now that we, well, it's not only now, but, you know, we see it a lot today that you know there there's a lot of there's a lot of um air quotes salvation yeah. that has no connection with the gospel um and and i'm not saying necessarily that you know that you can't hear the gospel preached and then sit on it for a while um you know and and god leave you know lead you to think about that over and over and over again and and you know he initiates it that way but like i'm just saying like if we don't preach the the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins then then we're like people are not going to be saved um, Romans 10 9 through 17 right think about this this process so Romans 10 9 and 10 the person confesses that Jesus is Lord but only after in Romans 10 12 through 13 they call upon the Lord to save them but only after 10:14 they believe in Jesus uh, but only after 1014 they hear about Jesus but only after verse 14 someone preaches or proclaims the gospel but only after 15 through 17 a believer goes to the lost person there's this process of somebody going yeah. and and sharing the gospel gospel verbally proclaiming it then through that verbal proclamation they hear about Jesus and then they come to believe in Jesus and then they call on him to save them and like it's it's no other way. It's not reverse. You know, right. they believe in him, then they hear about him, then somebody sent. It, that's not how it works. Yep. So good. 
I love that Romans ten backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so important. There, there is a process um, that God has laid out for us, and He lays it out very clearly throughout Scripture. Um, however, we do not. Well, there is a process to evangelize. There is a process to proclaiming the gospel and walking people through a plan of salvation. That we we don't mean to diminish that. Right. We. Are make, we, we are just trying to emphasize the fact that it's a spiritual deadness that has to be made alive by God because he's the only one that can create and sustain life. And, um, and <laughs> we remain zealous to share the good news because we've been commanded to, one. And two, we know that it's only... Through faith comes through hearing, right. so our responsibility remains the same to proclaim the news, the good news that changed our lives, um, and we trust that God is going to do the rest. Yeah, um, one one story that just came to mind because I told you there are plenty of times where I've gotten it wrong, um, but while I was still in the army, uh, I had an opportunity to preach to like two hundred. Um, 200 guys in the army, they were going through a course that I was an instructor at. And, um, you know, they, they typically have, uh, some sort of like devotional and it's, it's really generic kind of like higher power motivation sort of deal. But they asked me to preach and I was like, praise God, you know what they're going to get the gospel, right? It's, it's like 21 or 22 people, um, in the army or well in the military kill themselves a day, you know? So I'm like, I'm not going to give them anything short of that. They don't need ashes they need bread you yeah. know like wow um they're spiritually hungry starving and they don't even know it so anyways praise god i had the opportunity to preach the gospel and saw um a lot of people respond to that and and i don't want to say like you know a number because i don't know how many of the lord saved that day um but i believe that it was that people were saved that day anyways there's this one kid who didn't you know, he didn't respond or anything else, which, you know, Hey, that's, I can't force that. I can't manipulate that, whatever. Um, but a few days later, I just got done, uh, grading a patrol. So, you know, it's all day into the night and then into the next morning. And it's like four o'clock in the morning. And I'm telling this kid, uh, you know, how he did on his patrol. And so, uh, we, uh, I'm, I'm about to head out, you know, like I'm going home for the day, uh, you know, to sleep and, and recover and get back into it the next day. But, uh, this kid, he's like, Hey, Sergeant Donaldson, can I come and talk? Can I ask you a question real quick? And, and he's like, um, so, you know, when you, when you came and preached the other day, he's like, I'm not really sure. Like, you know, I think I believe in God, but I'm, I'm not really sure. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, let's talk about that. So I'd share the gospel with him. And, and he's like, well, like, can I, can I ask Jesus to save me now? And I was like, yeah, like, yeah, praise God. Like, let's do that now if you want to do it. And he's like, okay. So, uh, he starts praying. Right. And so I, my head's bowed, my hat's off. I'm, I got my eyes closed and it's, it's night, right? The sun hasn't come up yet. Uh, well, it's early morning. Sun hasn't come up yet. And I have my headlamp on and and like I open my eyes for a quick second because I don't I don't hear anything necessarily. 
And this kid's on his knees with both of his hands raised, and he starts to go off like, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I, I believe that Jesus came and died and was and was resurrected so that I could be forgiven. Lord, please save me. And I'm like, like, wait a minute. You know what I mean? But it, like, if I had if I had told this kid anything else, yeah. would I have hindered wow. what God was doing what, what God was gonna do in that moment is what I think of. And and now it it keeps me aware of of people that I meet who say, "Well, I'm saved," and then contradict that with either what they do or what they articulate after that. Um, you know, they say that they don't believe that Jesus uh, was God, or they don't believe that He was resurrected, or something else. If I tell these these people who are clearly articulating to me that they're spiritually dead because they've done something, been baptized, said a prayer in the past, or, you know, attend a church or serve Like, if I, if I just assume that they're saved, yeah. despite everything that I'm seeing, um, and that Scripture tells me a spiritually dead person does, then, then I, I, I mean, I feel like I'm just deliberately and very clearly disobeying God. So... Yeah. There's nothing more important than than the spiritual condition of of individual souls, right. and um, that's one thing that you challenged us with. You said that how dangerous is it ultimately to be telling spiritually dead people that they're alive? Um, you know, and that's um, that's the that's the difficult thing about church currently in my opinion is that we get into this habit or path path to uh encouraging everyone in the life that they're living and and throwing grace on every problem rather than dealing with the deepest dilemma right. <clears throat> which is our spiritual condition our yeah. spiritual deadness apart from Christ and um on one hand we're not judge and jury you know uh, analyzing or understanding where people are, but we can do a lot of damage when we place aliveness on individuals wrongly yeah. and give them this security because of our word. Right. Um, we need to remain zealous for evangelism in the sense that we are constantly living out and speaking out the gospel that has transformed us. Yeah. Um, because we need it every day. It's not a one time, I got it now, I'm right. good. We right. need it to wash over our heart every day to remind us of this grace that is not only um, enough for salvation, but it's enough to empower us for good works yeah. that we should, that we're his workmanship created for good works, so we should walk in them. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Appreciate you very much. Yeah. Enjoyed this. We missed Corbin. I know. Where is he at? We missed him. He's got a lot of schoolwork. Yeah. He's in his studies, yeah. and he's got a lot of work to do as well with with what he's doing with the YMCA. We love him. We can't wait to have him back next week. Um, but until then, we, we're praying for you all, and we hope that you'll let us know if there's anything we can do to serve you. And we'll, we'll see, you, see you real soon or, or hear you real soon. Yeah. <laughs>